0: Happy New Year, enjoy your 2019 according to the Gregorian calendar It's the fact, Daddy, hoping that your holidays and your life is going pretty good And is a relatively enjoyable endeavor I'm going to kick things off with some information or quotes from Alan Watts it's actually just a sequence from pages 68 to 71 of The Wisdom of Insecurity that I find apropos or applicable to episodes 7 and 8 of Westworld. <clears throat> Here we go. The externalized symbol of this way of thinking is that almost entirely rational and inorganic objects, the machine, which gives us the sense of being able to approach infinity, for the machine can submit to strains far beyond the capacity of the body, and to monotonous rhythms which the human being could never stand. Useful as it would be as a tool and a servant, we worship its rationality, its efficiency, and its power to abolish limitations of time and space, and thus permit it to regulate our lives. Thus, the working inhabitants of a modern city are people who live inside a machine to be battered around by its wheels. They spend their days in activities which largely boil down accounting and measuring, living in a world of rationalized abstraction which has little relation to or harmony with the great biological rhythms and processes. As a matter of fact, mental activities of this kind can now be done far more efficiently by machines than by men. So much so that in a not-too-distant future, the human brain may be an obsolete mechanism for logical calculation. Already, the human computer is widely displaced by mechanical and electrical computers of far greater speed and efficiency. If then, man's principal asset and value is his brain and his ability to calculate, he will become an unsalable commodity in an era when the mechanical operation of reasoning can be done far be done more effectively by machines <coughs> excuse me already man uses innumerable gadgets to displace the work done by bodily organs in the animals and it would surely be in line with this tendency to externalize the reasoning functions of the brain and thus hand over the government of life to electromagnetic monsters. In other words, the interests and goals of rationality are not those of man as a whole organism. If we are to continue to live for the future, and to make the chief work of the mind prediction and calculation, man must eventually become a parasitic appendage to a mass of clockwork. There is indeed a viewpoint from which this rationalization of life is not rational. The brain is clever enough to see the vicious circle which it has made for itself, but it can do nothing about it. Seeing that it is unreasonable to worry does not stop worrying. Rather, you worry the more at being unreasonable. It is unreasonable to wage a modern war in which everybody loses. Neither side actually wants a war, and yet, because we live in a vicious circle, we start the war to prevent the other side from starting first. We arm ourselves knowing that if we do not, the other side will. Which is quite true, because if we do not arm the other side, we'll do so to gain its advantage without actually fighting. From this rational point of view, we find ourselves in the dilemma of St. Paul. To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But this is not, as St. Paul supposed, because the will or the spirit is reasonable and the flesh perverse. It is because a house divided against itself cannot stand. The whole organism is perverse because the brain is split from the belly and the head unconscious of its union with the tail. There are few grounds for hoping that in any immediate future there will be any recovery of social sanity. It would seem that the vicious circle must become yet more intolerable, more blatantly and desperately circular before any large numbers of human beings awaken to the tragic trick which they are playing on themselves. But for those who see clearly that it is a circle and why it is a circle... There is no alternative but to stop circling. For as soon as you see the whole circle, the illusion that the head is separate from the tail disappears. And then when experience stops oscillating, writhing, it can again become sensitive to the freedom of the body, to the hidden depths of its own stance. Because I speak of the wisdom of the body as the necessity for recognizing that we are... making this is not to be taken as a philosophy of materialism in the accepted sense okay so why all that stuff basically when we're looking at (coughs) excuse me episode seven and eight of westworld we're getting more into that type of dynamic where the purpose and intent of that dynamic is to establish identity. However, the framework of that identity its complex because, in essence, human beings are attempting to achieve immortality through machines. And yet, the essence of who they are would be divorced from their very being. Were they to do so, they would no longer be what they think they are. And because of that, what we would call identity would ultimately be revoked. So while attempting to establish a sense of physical immortality in the material world, ultimately we would be divorced from the very thing that makes being being Uh, because we perceive our bodies as obstacles due to their limitations We want to overcome those obstacles And experience of physical immortality However There truly is no such thing Even stars die No matter how many billions of years They may exist Ultimately their being ceases to be at some point All things that are Become are not All that is Will become non-existent So The notion that a physical thing could ultimately Create a false or pseudo-immortality Is pretty much the cusp of What is going on Or is really the catalyst of what goes on In the story So Episode 7 and 8 The important things Or what I observed obviously Bernard reacts to the death of Arnold's son because that's part of the story Um, also you know Bernard is pondering Elsie being missing obviously we know ultimately that he is the catalyst and cause of that you get a lot of the William Time leaps And they're done in a very seamless manner, they're juxtaposed in such a way that the sense of the actual time gap is initially difficult to orient yourself to, and I think that was done intentionally to establish the differences between the Williams and how we see him evolve into what he really is underneath the surface, which he's been hiding his entire life. So, I, I really enjoy those dissonant juxt- juxtapositions. Um, it was interesting when Charlotte Hale, who's <laughs> pretty much, she was fucking Hector when she brings Teresa in. And she states to Teresa that the purpose of the park is information. And that extracting that information is vital due to the precarious nature of Ford. It's uh, interesting. This popped into my mind. It could be totally irrelevant. But I couldn't help but think. That this version of Westworld. Is a subliminal ode to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Because it is in a sense. Ford's Prefecture. I.E. Ford Prefect. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And I love the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Anyway. It's also interesting to note that Maeve's awakening correlates and corresponds to Forge's new narrative. And that really the narrative isn't new. It just simply flows from the inevitable unveiling of the implicit to the explicit. So, what do I mean by that? Just like in some of my other cast, I discussed the fact that all of reality occurs simultaneously and that time does not exist linearly, Uh, this is all due to the fact that what's implied becomes explicit. Just as you start thinking of different things and then you find a way to manifest or create them in a physical world. Initially, they had no actual form, but they were always present. And basically, they're implicit in their existences until we make them explicit. Which means they go from a potential energy into a kinetic energy. So, that's somewhat vital. Uh, Especially when we're discussing the nature of consciousness, form, and immortality. Also... For his new narrative It portends what's to come for Clementine and her role As that much more dangerous tool The tool that's utilized later on in the story For all of us who've watched every episode We know that Clementine is kind of a catalyst for A mass Host riot In which, you know there's an attempt to stop other hosts from going into that free space, which is really kind of like a matrix for the host... except that they're liberated. Okay, one second. Boom. Anyway, all guests aside, <clears throat> we know that you know an awakened host. Like Clementine being used as a tool, excuse me, to subvert her fellow hosts and keep them in check. We know that happens later, so that kind of feral control and manipulation of a subject into an object for power play purposes is implicit. And it becomes explicit later. And also, you know, even with the time loop, you see Williams' obsession with some sort of notion of breaking through and getting to that place, the maze, and getting through the maze, and having some sort of grand realization of what is real, when we all know, ultimately, he becomes a host and is also playing out in the experiment of the delos corporation that started with james delos and continued with him him being william the man in black and that obsession he has ultimately consumed him and he became something other than what he really was an attempt to achieve that false immortality Also, William's obsessed with knowing what the story means, and it's interesting because Dolores says she doesn't care about being in a story, which is very fascinating because they're two totally different points of view, and you can see how those points of view play out by the behavior of the characters. Dolores wants to create and experience the world, and William just wants to control, manipulate, and then derive meaning from it. And ultimately, William is just a construct himself. He speaks of becoming real in a world of pretense. Meaning you always hear him discussing that he feels like he's becoming his real self. And yet he's in a world that is definitively fabricated and programmed to cater to base needs of a human being. It's literally a world that is made up, that is fabricated. So that's also interesting because individuals are becoming obsessed with the fabricated as opposed to what's actually real. The real loses its meaning and becomes itself a simulacrum to those who want to experience a manufactured reality. Because only in a manufactured reality could you have a semblance of control. And ultimately, the story of Westworld thus far demonstrates that even in manufactured realities, there is no control. So, Teresa and Charlotte pull Clementine due to her reveries. And they wipe her reveries so she can act as she's programmed. But then, when they wipe the reveries... She acts as program With the reveries She becomes vicious And they cannot freeze her motor functions And Of course that leads to Bernard's firing But This all plays into Ford's game Ford Puts the smack down (laughs) On everyone But before we go to that There's a time jump after William and Dolores do the wild thing um, Dolores says something about not being a key That she's just herself And my little counter intuitive argument For her would have been Well What if that self Is a key Then they have this super intense encounter With the uh, Confederalies or whatever they call them <laughs> I don't know I might be thinking of some other movie and the ghost nation and that was pretty cool and then of course you see how Maeve reacts watching Clementine get decommissioned and then we get one of the awesome speeches because the show is full of superlative dialogue to say the least and um I love the speech by Bernard about repetition and variation. And there also is a discussion about the nature of his being. I feel like he was <clears throat> unconsciously identifying himself. and Or literally the variations of himself. Because he also is akin to William. He's a type of perverted, false, immortalized Arnold, and he's literally, I don't know how to put this, give me a second, Um, yeah, okay, so he's sort of almost Arnold, but not by happenstance, but by literally creating and experiencing encounters that would derive reactions pivotal to generating a persona that registered as Arnold. It's like instead of having a duplicate, you literally put the reproduction through processes that make it the original, because the consciousness behind the being derives similar conclusions to perception that the original did, blurring and then eliminating a line between original and simulacrum because their perceptual matrix becomes one and the same. So, that's a lot to chew on, but it's basically my attempt at saying, well, this as close to cloning as you're going to get regarding active awareness because you intentionally create stimuli that would derive the reactions of the original form to such an extent that the duplicate form acts in a manner literally like the original Anyway, ultimately, Bernard ends up killing Teresa at Ford's behest, and um, there's this great peacock metaphor, um, which I think is great because it says how the peacock is beautiful it's beautiful because that beauty attracts a mate but it cannot fly, fly and is stuck feeding in the muck so i think that's that's pretty crazy so of course ford used bernard to create what he called heart which is a nuance um i feel like he found some of his own humanity through this extension of Arnold and Maeve also you know it's interesting how she's reacting to the fact that she's playing along with the story even while her character the nature of the character is now revolt and self-searching And it's interesting that she wants to write her own narrative. And yet, within the context of any existing being, you can't really completely write your own narrative. Because your narrative exists only in relation to other narratives. Then, you know, you get out back into the time loop again. Where you see a young William... Hesitant to give Dolores water because she wanted to give it to a young man who was dying. And William didn't see a purpose. And I think that says more about him. Or implies more about him. And how we see him explicitly in the future. Than initially when you're first watching it you would think. Then of course Maeve wants to alter herself. Which again would be part of Ford's narrative. And it's interesting because then you have Teddy who's with older Simulacrum William. And he remembers some of William's uh, happy behavior, which is just violence and hostility. And of course he, you know, he messes him up. And what's interesting is they're on a search for Wyatt, but ultimately Dolores is Wyatt anyway. And that's interesting because Wyatt who's considered the harbinger of the end, technically it's it could be Implicit that we could see Wyatt explicitly as the Harbinger of the End Because the uh, original could be perceived or seen as the mother of sentient or self-aware, artificially intelligent beings We see Charlotte Hale enlist Mr. Sizemore for his God knows what I mean, (laughs) that's all I have to say about that Uh, Sizemore's What I would call a corporate bottom feeder. So I know he's like potentially a necessity, but yeah, Um, what was more interesting was when Maeve slit Sylvester's throat and then made Felix cauterize the wound and thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, I liked how she enlisted Hector and his minions and how she begins manipulating other hosts and using her abilities. Uh, After having her core code altered. And we see how she constantly flashes back to William. Killing her and taking her away from her daughter. Which of course she doesn't have a daughter. So that programming is strong. Um, And I love seeing Maeve use her Jedi mind tricks on the other hosts. Um. Also another interesting point is how Ford assures Bernard that hell is no impediment and that the self is a fiction, the backstory is a construct, we inhabit loops, consciousness is not derivative and doesn't exist in the way we think it does. So in that way, Ford acknowledged that human consciousness is not special, that there is no threshold between host and human, and consciousness itself does not exist. Now what would someone who actually achieved the creation of artificial consciousness mean when he says that consciousness itself doesn't exist? I think that's profound. That's just me. Um, and I love, again, that time juxtaposition, because... You know the time loop keeps coming up, and it's interesting because they actually show Dolores flashing back to her Wyatt times, to when she killed Arnold and herself, and basically her coming awareness really is her escaping from being trapped in memories and worlds of the past, which eclipse the present. So. That's all I got because uh, I think I hurt my own brain talking about this stuff, but it's why I really love Westworld. So, apologize for my delays. I will try to get on the ball. Functioning in the the cold of this northern area is a little difficult, but uh, I definitely love just taking all that information in. It you could watch this show multiple times and still derive something more from it and it's just the fact that the narrative isn't linear makes it so much more potent so anyway thanks to dvr podcast this is a fact daddy i'll be doing more sooner than later i hope um i would say don't hold your breath because i just kind of go with the flow but thank you for listening as always i appreciate it more than you'll ever know And I wish you well, enjoy life, until next time, ciao.